you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. It's good to be here. How was your 4th of July weekend? Was it amazing? Yeah, you're all in second service. You slept in this morning, didn't you? Yeah, there was two people in first service, so we are convinced. No, good to have you here. For those of you that are new, my name is Carrie. I'm one of the pastors here. And man, we're just glad you're with us. Thanks for hanging out. There's something I, I really believe uh, fundamentally that happens with just the, the, the notion of showing up to church. There's this expectation that begins to build. And man, you know, I heard it said a long time ago that Jesus is here, and when Jesus is here, anything can happen. I don't, I don't know what you, you walked through. We say that so much, even our worship leaders and so many people. I don't know what you walked in here with, but we say that because every one of you walked in with different challenges and circumstances and maybe even crisis that may even seem bigger than a prayer request. Isn't that real sometimes? And I just want to encourage you that God's here and he's up to something big. He's working behind the scenes on your behalf. You didn't even know it. And I just, I hope and pray that today you can lean in. Well, we're in week two of The Blessed Life. Everyone say The Blessed Life. The blessed life. And the title of my message is It's a Test. Everyone say It's a Test. And uh, how many of you hopefully have either gone through or have been in uh, middle school, the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade range, raise your hand, that should be just about everybody, you either have been through it, maybe you're in it now, uh, I don't know exactly what grade and age they did this at your school, the city or state you attended school, but for me, it was right around 5th, 6th grade that you had that awkward class known as sex ed, does anybody remember that awkward class? Remember how just kind of horribly awkward it was? Well, imagine if you were homeschooled and your teacher was your mom. Yeah. Yeah, I win. Well, the topic we're talking about today is less awkward than that. And uh, I just thought I'd give you a word picture that would make you feel awkward, because today we're talking about money. Isn't that exciting? And instantly, you're thinking, shoot, I brought my friend for the first time today. This was the worst week. No, I'm kidding. We're in the middle of a series on finances. Here's the truth. God wants us to be a generous people, and he has a plan for our finances. And I just want to share a few things. If you missed last week, Megan's message literally was extremely profound and amazing. Get the podcast. It'll change your life. Uh, we, we know this. We get this about finances because the biggest problems that we face in life, often in marriage, in business, and just about every relationship revolve around finances. In fact, at the Movement Church, it's one of the biggest questions that we get asked is in regards to finances and what our teaching is on it and why do we teach on it, and it's usually the topic that makes people feel the most uncomfortable. But just picture sex ed being taught by your mom, and that's worse. <laughs> Jesus addressed the topic of finances over and over in Scripture. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables which he taught handle, dealt with how to handle our finances or possessions. And God's word, literally, he, he gives us insight and, and application for every aspect of our life, including our finances. So. In this three-week series, we're unpacking God's biblical promises and blessings in relation to our finances. And here's what I, I would ask of you. I, I don't, I'm not asking you to agree with everything I'm going to say today. 
You don't have to agree with anything. I, I would just ask you to be open to it. To go, okay, I, I'm going to be open to what God's trying to say because when we surrender our finances, when they're submitted to God's plan and purpose, we actually begin to live what we would call a blessed life. And the movement church is here because this is not a principle we just talk about. It's a principle that we actually apply as a church. From the very beginning, every $10 that came in, we gave $1 out towards missions. For the duration of our church, as a church, we tithe. To this day, we tithe and send finances out. We do local charities here. We work around the globe. We've got our feeding site in South Africa. So we're constantly giving. And we are, you are, in this room, we are a product of that faithfulness. And there were seasons and days in the early stages and phases of the church when we were not even a year old and barely had a total of like 60 people, including children and seeing eye dogs and everything in the room. And, and we didn't have enough finances to pay the bills sometimes. Like, they, I don't know if y'all know this, but this school's not free. Like, we had to pay, right? So in the early days, we met in the movie theater, the Kaleidoscope. You ever been there? Before they remodeled it, friends, it smelled like musty popcorn every Sunday. And, uh, and we had to pay for that, right? And, and there was literally a time, I've told this story before, but I want to just share it with you just so you know this isn't something we just talk about. It's who we are. We were $6,500 short for the month. And, and we had about $4,000 worth of finances to send out. It might have been a little less than that at that point. It might have been a 2000 that we, we knew we wanted to give out towards missions. And it was like, well, we got a $6,500 deficit and we have $2,000 left, and that's a challenging place to be, and we just chose to sow that money to give that towards the mission field, leaving us with a $6,500 deficit. But we just decided in the early days and from the very beginning, we're not going to change God's plan to fit our narrative. And that's terrifying. I'll never forget it. Literally, within the 11th hour, I got a call or text from our finance director at that point, and he said, you're never going to believe this. We just got a check in the mail for $6,800. I said, from whom? He goes, I don't know. So we had to Google stock this dude. Like, where is it? We checked everything. LinkedIn, Facebook, finally found some random guy in North Carolina. And I found an email address, nothing else. And I just emailed him, hey, I don't know who you are. But you, you don't realize what God did with that check that you mailed two weeks before we got it. Two weeks, he's, before we even needed it, he had already placed it in the mail. I don't, you don't know what you did, but you saved our lives this month. And he emailed back. He said, well, you don't know me. My son's in the Marines. And he's stationed on Pendleton. And he came to your church one Sunday, and he gave his life to the Lord. He said he'd been running from God for months and years, and he, me and my wife have been praying for him and so we just felt like we should bless you for blessing our son. Wow. Come on, you can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff up. And I just want to talk about the principles that back that up. And you don't have to agree with everything. I just want you to be open because some of you in this room may be missing out on the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. Can we dive in? You don't have an option. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you have plans for everything in our life. God, this is a tricky subject. It's challenging. But I know that you want to do something, so I pray you lean in and speak to each of us on this amazing Sunday as we recognize the fullness of what you're doing and working on in our life. 
I just give you honor and glory. I thank you for already showing up in this place. And we lean into you now. The author and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. And that just means I agree. Well, listen, I don't know if you know this, but every couple of weeks, you and I are put to the test. Every, every couple weeks, we're, we're put to the test. Every time you or I get paid, we take a test. So I just want to get a little crowd participation here. So show of hands. I'm not going to ask who's tithing. Don't worry about that. A show of hands. How, how many of you in this room are paid weekly? Raise your hands. You're paid weekly. Okay, great. How many of you in this room are paid every other week like me? Maybe like the first and 15th. Okay. How many of you are paid monthly? Raise your hand. How many of you going, man, I'd like to get paid. I just would like someday, I'd like to get paid. Well, listen, every time we're paid, we're put to the test to see whom we are going to thank for our increase or our income. So income, finances come in, and we're put to the test with who we're going to thank. And we take that test by what we do with the first 10% of our income. Now I'm going to unpack this principle and I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 3 verses 6 through 12 and this is probably one of the more common scripture in relation to giving and I want to unpack what God's plan and heartbeat is for finances. So let's read this. If, if you aren't uh, taking notes, I'd encourage you to text the word notes to the number on our screen. If you don't have that memorized, it's like you don't even want to be my friend. And, and so say that in your phone and you can follow along, but the scripture will be on the screen behind me as well. But check this out. Malachi chapter three, verse six, it says this, for I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So God just starts off off the bat and he says, hey, this is me, I'm God, and I never change. Never change. The word says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're here today and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. You, you don't have to believe anything I'm saying today. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, this scripture is written to you. And he says, hey, I'm God and I don't change. So there's a lot of argument between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the old contract, if you will, and the new contract. You know, what if God's saying something in the old? Does it still apply today in the new? And God's saying, I don't change. In verse 7, he goes on and he says, yet from the days of your father, you have gone away from my ordinances. Everyone say ordinances. ordinances. All the men say ordinances. All the women say ordinances. Now, all together, ordinances? All right, highlight that. We're coming back to it in a minute. He says, you've gone away from my ordinances, and you have not kept them. So he says, you've walked away from my ordinances. And he comes back in, and he says, hey, but return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Here he is again, reminding us that it's God speaking. And he, he speaks up and he says, but you said, in what way shall we return to you? So this is God speaking who doesn't change. He's the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament, yesterday, today, and forever. A preacher didn't make this up. This isn't some book that was written by some random Joe in some random city. This is God speaking. And in verse 8, he shifts the narrative on us and he said, will a man rob God? And yet you have robbed me. Now, if I asked you straight out, would you rob God? You would probably say no. But here God is saying, you have robbed me. And he said, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he answers, and this is where it becomes challenging, in tithes 
and offerings. You've gone away from my ordinances and you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And the air leaves the Laguna Hills High School Theater. Look at this in verse 9. He goes on. He continues. He says, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. And he comes back in and he says, here's what you need to do. Bring all the tithes and into the storehouse that there might be food in, where does that say? My house. My house. The word storehouse means the local church. Yeah. My house means the church. He tells us what we need to do and where we need to do it. And he goes on and he says, and try me now in this. And the word try literally translates to test. Test me in this. And see, says the Lord of hosts, he's reminding us again who's talking, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be enough room for you to receive it. Look at this, verse 11. He says, listen, if you try me with tithes and offering, I'll open up the windows of heaven, but I'm also going to go a step further. I will rebuke the devourer, so I'll fight your enemies on your behalf, listen, so that he will not destroy you or the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says who? The Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. And you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God is talking here. God is saying, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you've gone away from my ordinances. And that word ordinances literally means principles of ordinary behavior. So in other words, what he's saying, hey, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, Somebody who said, yeah, I, I've given my life to him. I'm done trying to be in charge. Then, then what he's saying is it's an ordinary principle of your behavior to thank him for the increase or for your income. And he says, you've left my principles. You've gone away, and now you're under a curse, which is a little challenging to hear. Now, God didn't say, I curse you. He said, no, you're under a curse. Let me just take a moment because if you're here and you've been following Jesus for a few years, then this might be challenging to hear. Because you would say, well, I gave my life to Jesus. And when I did that, Christ bore the curse of the law on my behalf. But what he's not saying is that you can live any way that you want to and everything's going to be okay. Never in the scripture are we given permission to say yes to Jesus, but live how I want to live. There's nowhere in the scripture does it say that. The word curse here literally means consequence. In other words, it's saying if you steal, there's a consequence. If you speed past the police officer, my friends, what happens? You get a ticket. Unless you cry and get out of it. I don't know how that works for you. It doesn't work for me. When I cry, they just laugh. And I mean, if I ever got pulled over, I'd never have been. I'm just saying proverbially. <laughs> but what if I was to say you're stealing from God? The Bible says that Basically, if we tithe, we're blessed. If we don't tithe, there's consequences. God's saying, you've, rob you've robbed from me, and now you're experiencing the consequences. But the reason he's saying this is not because he's trying to bring shame and condemnation. He's going, no, wait. I have an ordinance. I have a principle for ordinary behavior that's better than the consequences you're experiencing. He's saying, I have a blessed life planned out and picked out for you but you're choosing an alternate way to live and to believe. Some might still argue, but wait, that's under the law of the Old Testament. 
This is Malachi. This is before Jesus shows up on the scene. And I would say, yes, it is. But you know what? Other principles are in the Old Testament. Things like thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. How many think those are good ordinances? Raise your hand. If you didn't, run away. You're sitting by some freaky people who did not raise their hand right now. I'm just throwing that out. I feel like those are good ordinances to follow. Are you tracking with me? And so God is saying, hey, there is a better principle, a blessed life that is available to you. So let me just talk about three things that you need to know about tithing. So write this down. Three things you need to know about tithing. Number one, tithing is a test. Say, it's a test. Tithing is a test. And this is from God to believers. He's saying, listen, now you're going to get, you're going to make money, but now you're put to the test. Who will you thank for that increase? And, and yet we still argue about it. And, and to be honest with you, that part is perplexing. Now, it might be because of my heritage. I was raised in the church. My parents were pastors. My wife's parents were pastors. I've been tithing since I was getting an allowance for doing chores around the house. But I struggle with this because I also remember what Jesus has saved me from. And I remember the ultimate price that Jesus paid when he crawled onto the cross and counted it joy to take my sin, my shame, my transgression, my iniquity. And he said, but Carrie, what I'm going to give you is grace. So when I hear people argue about bringing back the tithe and they're followers of Jesus, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. Jesus gave everything, and we struggled to give a tithe. Wow. Now, the tithe means a tenth. It's just Hebrew for tenth. And why tenth? There's a lot of answers to that, but I think one of the reasons is because a tenth of our income is the same across the board. It doesn't matter about your, your income, how much wages you bring in, your socioeconomic status. If you make 300000 or 30000 a tenth is a tenth. So it's the same across the board. But also the number 10 is often used in the scripture in correlation with or synonymously with testing. So the number 10 is used synonymously all throughout the Bible with testing. Let me just kind of get some crowd participation. You can help me out with this. I think you might be able to kind of figure out where we're going with this. But how many plagues happened in Egypt? Great answer. You guys are doing awesome. Another way you could say that is the Lord tested Pharaoh's heart 10 times. How many commandments are there? Ten. Killing this trivia game right now. And you may not know the answer, but I feel like you kind of get the drift. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Woo, so good. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. You knew that? That is so impressive. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. How many days of testing are in Revelation? Ten. How many disciples are there? Whoa. Twelve. Look at you, cheater. You were in first service, weren't you? <laughs> So this synonymous with testing, God, God, this, is a, this tithing component is, is, is a way that God is testing us, and it's the only place in Scripture where we are allowed to test God. The only time in Scripture where God says, hey, I double-dog dare you, carry paraphrase, test me. And he's saying, here's what he's saying, I, I just want you to test me. That, that, that I can do more with 90% than you can do with 100. Test me. Tithing is a test, and it's a test of faith. 
Believing that God's plan is better than my plan. Tithing is a test. Number two, the tithe, this is the challenge, must be returned first. God cannot be second. He can only be first. And if you ain't first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. Four of you have seen that movie. First service won that one, I'm just going to tell you. It can never be second, ever. In fact, if you are here and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you didn't say, hey, God, I want to say thanks for all you've done, and, and you get to share the throne of my heart with other things. We say, wait, no, no, God, I'm giving up, trying to be in control, and I surrender to you. And this is a challenge for us. God can never be second. He can only be first. You know, one of the things that's most challenged to me about living in California, which I have been here eight years now, so I call myself a local. I don't care if you do. I do, okay? One of the challenges, I don't know if this happens in other cities or other states. I just know when I moved here, I started to notice this thing on a regular occurrence that in grocery stores all around Orange County, the moment you leave, there are people standing there asking you to sign a petition or taking money. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You go to Whole Foods and someone's doing a petition to save the duckbill platypus in New Zealand. I'm like, I don't care about the duck. Anybody else? Okay. And you're like, I, you just put your head down and you walk on, right? And who carries cash? No one. Okay, well, now they've got square readers on their phone. They got smart with this stuff. So the other day I was leaving Target, and they go, hey, you, you, you got a, some cash to spare for the homeless. And I was like, oh, I don't have any cash. And it dawned on me I'd literally just used cash to buy something in Target, which I never do. I go, oh, I do. Hey, I got a couple bucks left over. And I walk up, and I drop the coins in and the dollar bills. They're like, thanks, bro. And I walk on and got to my car, and it dawned on me. I think that's exactly what we do with God. We want to pay everything else first, make sure everything's taken care of, that everything lines up, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, and then whatever we have left over, we just kind of tip God. Just kind of tip God. But the tithe must be first. Why? Because I'm saying, man, God, I'm recognizing you're first in my life. And he knew we would struggle with this because there is a, a, a string attached from our heart to our bank account. Yeah. It's a challenge, which means it has to be intentional. Psalms, or Proverbs 3, 9 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, so much of the scripture is written to farmers and to an agricultural community, and most of you probably aren't farmers, so I think you can probably get a correlation here. He said, honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits. And it says this, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats. How many of you want some fat vats? Come on. We'll be bursting with wine. He says, he gives us 100%, but we return the first 10%. And giving a first requires faith. Giving a first requires me to go, okay, wait, God, I'm just going to choose and decide that you have got this under control, even though it feels out of control to me. I'm not going to return the tithe last. I'm going to give it first. And God is saying, if you give me the first of this, then I will bless the rest. Exodus 23, look at this. And we'll pull out three specific components from this scripture. Exodus 23, 19 says this. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Look at these three things in relation to this passage. Number one, it says the first of the first fruits. And it just says first, first, twice. I think it's just letting us know which first he's talking about. The first of the first fruits, the top, the best, before I do anything else. Number two, he says, bring. 
to bring the tithe. So you can't give what doesn't belong to you. He said, I gave you the ability to make wealth. I gave you the gifts, the talents, the breath in your lungs. I gave that to you. Everything you have is because I created you. It's not even yours. I'm just asking you to bring it back, to trust me. I mean, imagine if, if I loan my friend Josh here my car. Maybe his car broke down and he, he needs an extra vehicle for a couple of days and he drives it to and from work and next Sunday he shows up and he walks up to me just really excited and he says, hey, Pastor Kerry, I just want you to know me and my wife, Shana, we've been praying and we wanna bless you. And we have this car that's just for you, sir. And the insurance is covered too, don't even stress it. We got you. Can you imagine the idea? of him trying to bless me with the car that is mine. By the way, I need my car back, Josh. Just throwing that out there. That's the same principle as when it comes to tithing is it's, it's not even ours in the first place. And when we get our minds wrapped around that concept, it becomes a lot less challenging to give, to recognize God gave me the ability to produce wealth. The third part of that scripture is where we bring that, to the house of the Lord, your God. God clearly establishes where the tithe needs to go. We don't get to do that. We don't decide. We don't bend the narrative. We don't rewrite scripture. God says it goes to the storehouse, not split up into nonprofits. My wife and I, we sponsor two kids with Children's Cup. We're a part of that, but that's not a tithe. That's an offering from us. This is challenging. Often we want to designate and dictate exactly how the finance goes. All that is is an attempt to control. i never forget the second week of our church, seven years ago, we did a bonfire uh, just to get to know people who just showed up. And second week of our church, and uh, we're, we're all excited. We had people we had never met, but only known him for about six days now. And this guy gets out of his car, and literally his door hasn't even shut behind him, and he's walking up. He says, let me just clear the air and get this out of the way. We tithe to our friends who are missionaries in Africa. And I said, that's great, but that's not a tithe. He also wasn't at our church for very long after that, as you can imagine. That's an offering. We don't get to decide what the, where the tithe goes. God said that. Right. So let me clear the air. Chill out for a minute. Let me clear the air. Hey, if the movement church isn't a church that you feel like you want to invest financially in, let me help you find a great church. Yeah. This is not a principle for us. This is a principle for you. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is a principle for you. Have you ever heard the story of Cain and Abel? You know, the sons of Adam and Eve, and you've wondered why did God bless Abel's offering but not Cain's? Let me read this to you, and you can just see this whole concept, the notion of the first fruits, and when God says, bring this back, return this to me. Look at this, Genesis chapter four, verses three and five. Look at how this says. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his. Are you tracking with me? So in the process of time, Cain was like, maybe I probably should do something. I'm set aside the best of the crops and all the produce and everything. Put that aside, make sure I've got seed ready for next year's crop and get everything situated so my family has enough to eat. And in the process of time, he picked out some food and brought an offering to the Lord. But Abel said, oh man, 
God has been so good. He created us. Gave us the ability to work the land. And oh, he gave me a great family too. And I want God to have the best. So he goes to the brand new lamb that was just born from the the best you or the mother and he picks out the best lamb possible with no spot or blemish and he returns that to the Lord because Abel's heart, he knew that God can never be second. He's always gotta be first. And this is the biggest challenge for you and for me. We have this misconceived notion that we actually are in control of things anyway. Make sure everything's taken care of first, and then if I think about it, I'll just kind of make sure I do something for the church. I kind of like that, Pastor. Oh, kind of, it's kind of, my kids are kind of cool with it. As if that's what God's asking for. He's looking for your heart. Megan, last week talked about how it's all about, we started this whole series off and didn't even talk about tithing, we talked about our heart. Because God knew there's a direct line between my heart and my bank account. God can never be second. He can only be first. Tithing is a test. It must be returned first. And number three, tithing is a blessing. Can I just tell you, I want to just say honestly before before God, we didn't get to a rough patch in the spring and think, hey, you know what? Finances are pretty bad at the movement church. Maybe we should do a series on giving. Do you know, actually, that's the the furthest from the truth. We're, We're doing great financially. It's because we have some businessmen and women who are trustees that help us make great decisions with our finances that are here in this church. And we built this year's budget off of 90% of last year's income to create margin. And then our operations is on 80% of this year's budget and 10% immediately goes back out the door and another 10% into savings. So we, we've got margin. We're healthy. This has nothing to do with the movement church. You can come to the movement church the rest of your life and will be fine. But if you don't get involved in this concept of tithing, you'll miss out on the principle of God's blessing. So when I say, if you don't want to invest here, let me help you find a church. I don't want it for me. I want it for you. We're teaching this because it impacts your life. There's a story in Scripture where Israel's facing a recession, and it's in the Old Testament, and there's a horrible recession, and there's a drought, and a famine, and all kinds of bad things happening, and the king, whose name is Hezekiah, finally reads some Scripture, and he finds out that the nation has not been tithing, and he reads it in the Word, he's like, oh my goodness, we've been missing this principle of ordinary behavior. And he spreads a petition through the land and says, hey, look what God's word says. Look at God's promises and his blessings for us. And the people of Israel responded. Look at this in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 5. It says this, as soon as the commandment circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine and oil and honey and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. They heard the word of God for them and they responded. And then what happened next was mind-blowing. 
The Bible says that the king Hezekiah went to the temple to see because the people had brought the tithe to the storehouse. And he went into the temple and there were mounds of fruit and produce and mounds of gold and silver, so much so that they had to say, wait, be careful. And he was worried. And he went to the priest and he said, are they eating? Are they starving? What's, this is too much abundance. This is crazy. How are they paying bills? How are they taking care of their family? And the priest pulled the king aside and said, no, king, you don't realize this is only 10%. You should see the 90%. When the nation began tithing, it broke the recession. It's almost as if God's, God has created a biblical economy that changed the narrative for a nation. Do you realize that in most churches, only 20% of the members actually tithe? Twenty percent. In most congregations, 80% of the people just attend, get life changed through a service, attend a connect group and build great friendships. Their kids get taught the truth of God's word and they never jump behind God's principle of tithing. Do you realize that if 100% of Christians tithed, we wouldn't need social security, welfare, food stamps, we would need the government to take care of the hurting and the broken and the marginalized. It's as if God created an economy where the church could be the answer. Not just for the spiritual needs of a people, but for the physical needs as well. Imagine if when people had no food, no money, no nothing, they came to the church and the church says, oh yeah, we got you. And while we're talking about finances, let me introduce you to my Jesus. I'm just telling you, it's as if God knew there was something about this principle, this ordinary behavior that we're supposed to be following, and it's as if the enemy knows us well because we struggle with it. God knew he'd struggle with it too. That's why I said, hey, put me to the test. Try me. I double dog dare you. You see, it's so crazy. When I talk to people who grasp the concept of tithing, they never let it fail. Because they see that, man, if you take the faith of tithing and the wisdom of budgeting, I will never know lack. It's, I, I have this blessed life where I just want to be generous. And you can't change God's principles to align with your own opinion. You can't. You can't bend the narrative to fit your opinion. God's word is his word. He said in the beginning, I never change. So often people tell me, I just don't know if I can afford to tithe. And my answer is always, definitely, you can't afford not to tithe. You see, the problem is we don't receive the blessing of tithe until we actually begin tithing. Bringing 10%. It's a test. Tithing is a test. It must be returned first. And tithing is a blessing. Let me get some help. Chris, would you stand up? And John, would you stand up? And Josh, would you mind standing up? Imagine, if you will, if I had to go away, maybe six months or to a year, and I, I went to my friends Josh and John and Chris, and I said, hey, listen, I've got, I made sure that Megan and my daughters are taken care of. I just want to make sure my wife is good while I'm gone, that she's taken care of sufficiently, so I'm making sure funds are getting there. But Josh, I'm going to give you 10000 a month, and John, you as well, and Chris. So each of you are getting 10000 a month, and all I would ask is that you give Megan 1000 
You don't have to do anything for it. You don't nothing, earn it, nothing. I just want to give it to you, 10000 10000 You give Megan, my wife, $1,000 a month just to make sure she's taken care of in my absence. And I go away. And I'm calling Megan, FaceTime her. What's up, baby girl? Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. Four or five months pass. Oh, hey, by the way, how's that going? Are those guys taking care of you? They're sending you the money. Oh, you know what? Let me tell you. Josh, he's been great. Every month, right off the bat, the first of the month, he sends me $2,000. $2,000? I only asked him to send 1000 I know, but every month, first of the month, he just makes sure I'm taken care of, and he sends me $2,000. Man, I love Josh. He's a good dude. How about John? Well, John's great. Every, every month, first of the month, he sends $1,000, just like you asked. He's been awesome. Oh, that's, I love John. He's a good dude. How about Chris? Well, we need to talk about Chris. <laughs> what do you mean we need to talk about Chris? Well, the first month, he sent $700. And the second month, he sent $400. And now he doesn't send any money. What? So I send any money. I send him $10,000 every, every month. I send him $10,000. He doesn't send, he doesn't send any, No, he doesn't send me any money. I'm going to throat punch Chris. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not sending that joker another dime. Can I get an amen? And then you know what I'm going to do? The 10000 I'm sending to Chris, well, I'm going to give my buddy Josh seven grand because he's been taking care of me. And I'm going to give three grand to John because they've been faithful to take care of my bride. You guys can be seated. Isn't it interesting that Jesus refers to the church as his bride? Didn't Jesus say, I got to go away, but I'm going to come back for my bride? It's as if God has a plan. It's as if he knows what he's doing. This is crazy, but it's almost as if his plan is better than our plan. And yet, we struggle. So here's what I know as we bring this service to a conclusion. Some of you in this room, you struggle with the notion, and that's why you're here today. This is a day about you recognizing I got to take a step of faith and begin returning 10% of my income. And some of you in this room are wrestling. Maybe it's control. Maybe you had a bad church experience, bad history. I don't know. But maybe you're here today because God's going, hey, listen, I've got more and better things in store for you than you could possibly imagine. But I need your whole heart. And I need to be first. And I want to bless you and bless other people through you. So I just want to pray for us today that God would just continue to open our heart. And listen, I'll never, we will never ask you for money. We'll only ask you to listen to the voice of God. I'm just telling you, you want to walk in the midst of a blessed life. And I would even tell you, if you've never tried, try tithing for 90 days. And if you don't see God's hand of provision in your life, then you take it up with him whether or not you tithe again. But I just know God's doing something in this room, and there are some of you today You're wrestling with it, and I would just challenge you to surrender to that. Let God be first, and let him bless you in a way you never thought possible. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you that you know we struggle with this one.
You know that we, we have a hard time when it comes to the finances and what you want to do. But God, we, we want to give you our whole heart. Everything. To surrender everything to you. To trust you with everything. So God, for those that are struggling today with the notion of tithing, I pray, God, you'd open their heart and their ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to do so we can step into the fullness of what you have for us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Would you look at me for one more moment? We're about to conclude our service, but I just want to take a moment and talk to those of you in the room who need to begin the journey with Jesus, and that's why you're here. Nothing else that I've said matters up until this point if you've not begun the journey with Jesus. And there is a starting point, and that's good news. The good news is there are no qualifiers to, for getting to the starting line. You don't have to be a member of the movement church. You don't have to get rid of the mistakes in your past. You just have to simply say yes to who he is. And if you're here today and you've never begun that journey, that's what today is about. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and here's what I'm going to ask. Nobody has to know it's you. You don't have to get out of your seat, but right where you're seated, I just want to challenge you to make the prayer I pray your own. Maybe in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper, and look at me in the eyes for one moment. Some of you in this room may have prayed a prayer like this, but you've been running from God, playing with your purpose and your destiny. And today's your day to pray this prayer again and come running back. So let me ask one more time, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, whether you're in the family room or listening online, or you've been here a hundred times, why don't you make this prayer your own? Just say, dear God, I need you. I've been doing it on my own, and I give up. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.